a microdose is like a subperceptual dose, so usually one tenth of a gram. And I'm on one now. You you can have conversations. You can things might seem a little brighter, but for the most part, you're still very much in your body, and you're very you're just you're you could be a little bit more patient with the kids, and a little, you feel a little bit more creative, at access to language, etc. Uh, once you start getting to like even just a 0.25 of a milligram with just psilocybin, then you're starting to, that's more of like a recreational dose. Um, a half a gram is like a concert dose. A gram to three grams is like an area that you just need to be really careful. Welcome to The Well Drop. We're your hosts, Amber Berger and Dina Wismer. On this episode today, we have Daniel Carcillo with us. He is known as the car bomb during his professional ice hockey career. He's a former NHL player turned mental health advocate and entrepreneur. Carcillo's journey has taken him from the ring to a powerful voice for mental health awareness and player safety. Carcillo co-founded Chapter 5 Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting brain health, supporting those affected by traumatic brain injuries, and creating awareness about the long-term effects of concussions. Outside of his advocacy efforts, Carcillo has also ventured into entrepreneurship. He co-founded a company, WeSana Health, which focuses on developing innovative solutions for mental health and wellness, including psychedelic-assisted therapy. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. We Thanks are excited me. to share your knowledge with our community. There is so much about mental health that we are really passionate about you know, helping to bring awareness to those out there. I think, you know, there's so much in the medical community that we are just given medication for. And I love that you really kind of get to the root cause of things. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and kind of what led you to become such an advocate for mental health? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you both for having me. So when I retired in 2015, I was just dealing with a host of issues. I was diagnosed with, you know, mild dementia or, you know, doctors were trying to tell me that I had CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is basically very similar to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, these wow. tau entanglements that end up just strangling parts of the brain and, and, and creating a whole host of, of symptoms like slurred speech, headache, head pressure, insomnia, impulse control issues, et cetera. The first thing that I did was obviously take recommendations from the doctors uh, that I had played in the league. And their first thing was, well, we're going to get you on pharmaceuticals. The pharmaceuticals would then exasperate and bring on other symptoms. And, you know, I've been in this, this healthcare and I call it a game because it's very much a game. And mm -hmm. now I realize, uh, and I realize this, thank gosh, I got woken up four and a half, five years ago, because I don't think I would be here if I didn't. Al although... Sometimes this these things give people hope and, and, it, and it works for a very small subsection of people. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. If I was being diagnosed with something, there was always a pill for the rest of my life that they were trying to push on me. And it would usually exasperate other symptoms. So I did that for four and a half years. Listen, well, for the, for the first two years, it was all about listening to them, going to stroke rehabilitation centers, CTE brain banks. Etc. And and reading PubMed papers, I wanted to understand like what had happened to me, and then how I could yeah. fix it. And then I wanted to talk about it. And we also talked about things like I I hear you guys talk about a lot: breath work and um, self deprivation tanks and hyperbaric chambers, 
you know, there's an amazing place that I went to here and I just so happen now to live 40 minutes away, which is the Upledger Clinic, which is, which is, you know, cranial sacral, which is kind of decompressing the brain and it's, and it's light touch. And it's, yep. if you're, if you're into it, it works, yeah. you know, I, yeah. my, my kids have all had cranial sacral from when they were infants. I, I agree. It makes a huge difference. It's amazing. And so I started to just move through this system, uh, but I wasn't getting any better. So I found myself about a half a million dollars in of my own money. A lot of these treatments aren't covered by insurance, as you guys know. And I just became, I thought that I'd tried everything uh, and I became very hopeless. And without hope, without an understanding that there might be something, something else to keep going, then as a traumatic brain injury sufferer, and a lot of them I talk to, you, you feel like you're a burden to people because I was not myself. I wouldn't want to be around me. And I didn't want my kids to see me like that. So I started to plan taking my own life. Right. The number one cause of death after concussion is suicide. I think it's because number one, there's no FDA approved medicine for it. And number two, nobody talks to anybody. So the neurologist isn't talking to the psychiatrist. <laughs> the psychiatrist, it's just a mess. Yep, I, yep. I don't so mean to really... laugh, but it's so true. I mean, no. it's so sad, but true that we say that all the time. It's like there's yeah. such individual specialties, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I always talk about like you need to build your like web of your wellness team, right? You know, Absolutely. think of like a business model. It's like start at the core and then you have each thing that comes out and like they need to speak to each other or you have to become that person that's exactly. advocating for yourself, right? Exactly. each individual doctor. That's, that's true yep. if you're using wellness or medical, both of them. Both. Yeah. And, I, and I'll finish the story in a second, but like we, we, nobody's treating like the mind and the body. That's why I really do like functional neurologists because they have a chiropractic background and then mm -hmm. they take this neurology course. The one thing they're missing though is the spirit. Mm -hmm. Nobody is doing all three, you right. know, and, and, and this is where I truly believe the clinics of the future, and there's a few that are out there are do, that are doing all three, these are where you see the most, the best results and, and yeah. the biggest gains and the, and the best leaps. And they're usually holistic in nature. Luckily, I saw a study in 2017. I listen. That's one of my, obviously, attention to detail with, with the sport that I played is extremely important. So I would just constantly listen to these doctors. Most of them said, we're going to identify an area of your brain that's shut down due to trauma. Concussion isn't on the whole brain. And then we're going to wake it back up. So, wow, amazing. And I saw this study in 2017 of a brain, a placebo brain, uh, and, and a brain on psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. I'm sure you guys have seen this. It's, a, it's from the Beckley Institute. And the right and left brain hemispheres are communicating like I'd never seen before. I'm like, whoa. And then I found out it's like $10 worth of mushrooms. <laughs> and and then I, so I'm like, hey. Um, luckily, a friend knew a PhD biochemist that that um, grows it. I went to a decriminalized city, Denver at the time. This is uh, 2018. I partook in a large I partook in a large journey, and within a week on that farm, one, within one day, the next day, I called my wife. She's like, You're, "You sound completely different. You have no more slurred speech. Uh, my light sensitivity was gone within 48 hours. I I had a zest for life. My brain fog and fatigue was pretty much null and void." Uh, and then other things took a little bit longer and I understood that I had so much damage because I was hitting kids since I was four that nothing gets fixed in five hours. So we made a regimen of a, of a microdose, a subperceptual dose so that you can take it every day to try to repair. There's always days off. So all the weekends are off. And then I take 60 days off, uh, every, every five months is a full month off. 
because this is natural medicine. You just, I just don't want to become tolerant to it. That was, yeah. So six months in, I tested my brain and my blood with these functional neurologists. So I tested my vestibular system, which is uh, your earlobe fluid balance, my ocular system, uh, a QEG, which basically reads the electrical waves of how your brain and the different hemispheres are communicating blood. Because I knew, I'm like, if this works, it's so heavily stigmatized. I'm, I'm going to need to back it up with some science. Mm -hmm. Six months in, no abnormalities. Blood work was completely clear. No pharmaceuticals, no doctor's help. They uh, went off all of your meds. Were you oh, on yeah. meds when you went to this place no, in Colorado? No, I stopped all the meds for about two years. I had seizures when I came off of them. Wow. And wow. Uh, at this point, I was doing Upledger. I was doing float tanks. I was only doing holistic things. Wasn't I just, enough. I, no, I just couldn't get better. I, I, I just, I got to this point where it was comfortable, but I was also so sick of like going somewhere every day and it was yeah. so tiring and it was a lot of money. And costly. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I need to work. You know, yeah. like, um, I didn't make, I didn't make 30, $40 million where I couldn't not work. You know, I did well, but I need to work to support my family. It just completely brought me back. And, and we're talking about, you know, I've had talk therapy for 15 years. Thank gosh. I've had two opiate addictions during my career. So I learned about how to control my own mind, et cetera. I'm obviously very internal all the time, questioning how I feel, how I'm doing, because that's just the nature of, of how I grew up. Um, you just have to be hypercritical. So this medicine really agrees with me. It's all natural. I use CBD as well, which I'll say is a patented neuroprotectant by the US government. They patented it in 1999. Anybody can go look at the patent and it's against neuronal death as it relates to Parkinson's ALS. I know crazy, right? And then the federal bill for CBD didn't get legalized until 2018. So they yeah. knew back in 1999. Anyway, yep. again, the game, if you want to, if you want to research this and, and figure it out, you can. And um, here I am. Yeah, five years ago, it's how I met your husband and you, Amber, and your and your beautiful family. And I am just like, so grateful that I have my health and and that I have a platform that I can now join up with, you know, vets and foundations like No Fallen Heroes that we did yesterday. And, and um, just really grateful for my health. Yeah. Amber, I have to ask you, lately my skin, when I look in the mirror, it feels like it's looking tired and lackluster. Your skin looks amazing. What do you do on a regular basis? What are you doing to glow the way you glow? You want to learn the secret to aging backwards? I Obviously. discovered an amazing <laughs> company called Young Goose. They are all about a simple skincare system for you to get radiant skin. And I've been using it for over a year and I have never looked back. I find most products don't actually yield results. And all I can do is say, try Young Goose and see what happens and wait for the compliments to start coming in within three months. It's amazing. I'm so excited to try it. How do I find it? You can get a 10% discount code for your first order using WellDrop, and you can find them online at younggoose.com. Um, what yeah. I love about your story is that it really is all about empowerment. I mean, you really mm -hmm. sound like somebody who was empowered to find their own way through the wellness and medical fields. And that's a big thing that we try to focus on in our conversations and on this podcast, because so many of us feel lost mm. in the medical wellness field, and we want people to feel empowered. I'm wondering if when you first were introduced to the idea of psilocybin, were you hesitant? Did any of that kind of preconceived 
notion make you resist? What were your thoughts about it when you first considered it? I mean, I like, I went hard on and off the ice. So I like to party. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> great, let's. So first of all, I went to this place to learn about cannabis and CBD and lion's mane and reishi and cordyceps because I knew lion's mane increases BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which helps with concussion and helps feed new neuronal pathways. It's almost like miracle growth for your, for your neurons. So those I are went adaptogens. There. They are mushrooms. Yep. But they're those are mushrooms. Com adaptogens for those. And completely realize. legal. You can go to Whole Foods. You yep. can you can you can buy these things off the internet. I would just make sure you're not getting the myceliated uh, phase two. So I I went there and I got there and, and they're like, hey, we're going to do something for you. So it was a bit of a surprise. Like I didn't go to this place to be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do psilocybin. Yep. They're like, we want to do something. But I showed up. My face was like this and I was so tense and, and I'm like awesome like let me let me grab an uber I'm gonna go grab you know 48 beers uh <laughs> I'm gonna grab some yeah. smokes and let's have a good time and they're like no man they're like this is going to be really hard and I'm like okay well I'm I'm here for that I, I like to be told when I'm messing up I like to be shown immediately i'm very forthright and i want people and medicine to be forthright with me like hey this is this is why you're suicidal this is how we're going to fix it so i didn't have the stigma associated with it other than i grew up in canada so i'm just used to like we we took mushrooms at keg parties and stuff never yeah. therapeutically yeah. you know and there's and there's it's there's two different well, two I'm totally so, different ways to take it i'm yeah. so curious when they said no this is going to be hard what did they mean by that? In what way was it hard? And this so is was, more, that's not a microdose. I just want to also no. clarify. So you took like, this I is guess five a, grams, five, five and a half grams. grams. Okay. Mm -hmm. So people can understand like the level in which. Yeah. So maybe I'll explain that and then I'll answer your question, Dina. A microdose sure. is like a sub perceptual dose. So usually one tenth of a gram. And, and I'm on one now. You, you can have conversations. You can, things might seem a little brighter. But for the most part, you're still very much in your body and you're very, you're just, you're, you could be a little bit more patient with the kids and a little, you feel a little bit more creative, at access to language, et cetera. Uh, once you start getting to like even just a 0.25 of a milligram with just psilocybin, then you're starting to, that's more of like a recreational dose. Um, a half a gram is like a concert dose. A gram to three grams is like an area that you just need to be really careful because so what mushrooms do is heighten auditory uh, acuity, visual acuity, you could hallucinate. So you want to be careful on higher doses going to a concert, for example, this mm -hmm. is where you see the bad trips and it's nothing more has nothing to do with the individual. It's they took too much and they put themselves in the wrong setting. I knew, and they prepared me, but I could never be prepared for what happened, that it was going to, this medicine is going to show you what's wrong. And, and the reason you take a high dose like that, my mind is so strong, I can shut three grams off immediately if I want to. It's not easy, but I know I can. At five grams, you can't. And so you take higher doses because it exasperates this medicine wants to help you and it exasperates what's at the forefront of our mind. So if I'm depressed, it's going to show you why you're depressed, but it's not going to let you leave. You're going to have to look at it and mm -hmm. you're going to have to really work through it. So that's what it did to me. I mean, I was suicidal and um, my body was completely rejecting it because I think it knew I was kind of liking the fact that I was like a victim and a little bit anyway, maybe subconsciously. 
Um, you got used to it too. That was your story, right? Yeah. And like people like, well, you know, sympathize. Yeah. He's sick. You know? and, and just to be really clear to listeners that this was done under a supervised mm-hmm. structured setting, not mm-hmm. on your own at home. No. Not, you know, this is not something we're saying you should go do this. You no. know, this is something that was done under medical mm-hmm. supervision. Yeah. You need a guide. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I had two of them that, and, yeah. and one person that knew me really, really well. The other guy, obviously we're, we're best friends now for the last five, six years. And we've helped wake a lot of people up and veterans and, and I'm so grateful for him, but he was able to guide me through the first two and a half hours but I was lost and I was suicidal. I was always attacking the league. I was blaming the league for the situation that I was in. And then I was blaming the league and I was angry and frustrated and sad because a bunch of my really close friends had passed away. And I was like, a part of me was convinced, I didn't want to fully believe it, that I was going to die of neurodegenerative disease. And I was 33 years old. And I was like, dude, this is, I'm so mad. So what it did was it, it, um, I was just, trying to reject it and and it would I was dry heaving like this energy so you always fast before so that you're not there's a protocol and um so we fasted for four or five hours but then I went outside and I was on this farm that I didn't know where I was and when I was around Jeremy who was my guide he would put I remember him putting his hand on my shoulder and I felt so good I was like oh like I could breathe a little bit but then I wanted to just get away from him and, and so I started to do these loops. I probably walked that farm, that same exact loop. And it felt like I was in hell at least 25 or 30 times, all the while dry heaving. And this, this was two and a half hours. And then eventually I started to calm down. They brought me inside. They put on 432 Hertz music, which is the frequency of nature and, and just kind of de- decompressed me and calmed me down. And then, then it was beautiful. But this medicine showed me in a nutshell, that I was, I was the creator of my own heaven or my own hell. And if I was going to continue this loop of waking up, pointing my finger at everything that was wrong in this victim type of mindset, I was never going to get better. And, it, and, and I, I remember lying on the couch. I grew up Catholic. I am um, um, uh, grew up as an altar boy. And, and you know, I believe in a higher power that's, that's much bigger than us um, or me. But I remember looking over at my friend and he had long curly hair when we when we played together and he looked like God. So he came to me and, and uh, he said, he's like, this is why you, we want you here. We want you on this team. And I was like, I remember saying, I'll never forget it. Why me? I'm such a loser. And, and they're like, he's like, no man, you're not like, we love you. And then like, as soon as I heard that um, word, the whole, the whole world opened. I haven't, I haven't looked back since. That's an amazing I love you thinking about it like a game. You know, I have so many, you've taught me so much about psilocybin because we met and I was so curious. A lot of people, I think, use it recreationally, Mm -hmm. but I'm really interested because I know a lot of females, you know, we're kind of a female focused Mm -hmm. audience, you know, maybe on antidepressants Mm -hmm. and sometimes or majority of the time they're placed on them. Maybe if it's like after childbirth or something's Mm -hmm. going on in their family or they got divorced, but there's no end site for them. And then they're on it for 15 plus years and they don't even know what life is like off it. And I really love how psilocybin and mental health that, can you talk a little bit about how the connection and what that does maybe for people who have tendencies for a depressed state? Is there a certain part of the brain that is sort of weaker and does the psilocybin kind of wake it up? What exactly is that connection? 
So um, obviously I'm not a doctor and, and this isn't medical advice. And I just speak from my own experience. Well, so psilocybin is the actual mushroom. And then once that gets converted into psilocin, that is what um, gets binded into a 5-HT2A receptor. Most of these receptors are in our belly, 80 to 90% of these receptors. And so there's only about 10 or 15 or 20% in our head. And, and what that does is it binds and it gives you, it's serotonin. It's a serotonin uptake. So it's the exact opposite to an SSRI, which is an inhibitor. So mm -hmm. it blocks serotonin. Now these medicines, and this is, this is um, the FDA admitted this, I think about like a year ago, we got it wrong. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance, but this is the problem that I have. If that's the case, why are people still, and doctors still prescribing this medication to address this problem that they just admitted does not exist? When the psilocybin goes into this receptor that they're trying to block, if you are on antidepressants, first of all, you know, one of the things that a lot of people fear monger in this industry about is, well, there's serotonin overload. There is no way that you can put a, put a person who's on SSRIs into a clinical trial. I think that's BS. There's no such thing. It's, it's not reported in emergency rooms, this serotonin overload. What does happen, and in my experience of people that do go to, to psychiatrists to try to wean off of this, off of these medications using CBD and lion's mane and, and possibly psilocybin because it helps with withdrawal, they usually have like a pretty good, a pretty good effect. It's a little bit tampered down and you have to increase the dose of the psilocybin, which is what I've seen. But other than that, people people will still respond to it and it won't make, it won't make you sick. I've seen people like, listen, we, we work with a ton of vets, you know, and, and usually these, these vets are on 10 or 12 Lots pharmaceuticals. And I, again, I connect people to doctors, psychiatrists that can, that can responsibly help people wean, but you, you're not going to read this in a book. Nobody's teaching these doctors anything about this right now. Yeah. I believe that John Hopkins started to, you know, the training, et cetera. So if you go to your doctor, they are going to look right through you unless they really care about you. And unless they've taken the time to go and research this themselves. But um, I should say psilocybin has been designated FDA therapy breakthrough designation with two different companies. Okay. USONA for major depressive disorder, who's in phase two and um, Compass Pathways who's in phase three to treat treatment resistant depression. Breakthrough therapy designation is, is a recognition or um, they're recognizing that, that this has the potential to, to change the game, meaning this is, these are curative measures. MDMA for PTSD, which is going to go for an NDA submission, a new drug application in 2024, with 12 weeks of talk therapy and only three administrations of MDMA, they are curing people 71% of the time. But it, it completely changes the paradigm of, of how we, of how we think about sure. healthcare. And I think it's mm -hmm. the future, right? I think this mm -hmm. is... I'm such an early adopter and I'm such a big fan of it. So I think for those listening out there who might be skeptical, because it might sound a little weird, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't want to wait, at least for me, you know, 20, 30 years until all of these clinical trials are proven. Like we're going to be so old by then. So well, just and, do the research and read, like you're saying, yeah. I was laughing, you talk about PubMed, <laughs> like that's where I spend my nights. I'm like reading mm. PubMed and medical journals and just get curious because 
you might be able to help yourself and not just say popping a pill is the answer because those long, they all have side effects long term. So question, Dan, I mean, if people are interested, if they feel they're listening to your story and Mm -hmm. they feel that they want this is something they want to explore. Mm -hmm. What are the first steps? So there's so much stigma associated with this because the war on drugs and, and Nixon, and that started in the sixties and seventies in the forties, fifties, and sixties, LSD was being used to treat alcoholism. And there's Mm -hmm. thousands of papers and studies. Mm -hmm. Think of the tens of millions of lives that could have been saved Mm -hmm. if this war on drugs didn't, because it was a death wish. If you wanted to pick, pick these drugs up and, and try to research them as a schedule one. So I would, I would say go to John Hopkins, uh, which is a leading academic institution, Matthew Johnson, Roland Griffin's just, just passed away, but he was, he was a lead researcher with Matthew and their main thing is psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first studies that I read after I saw the brain scans, and this could possibly work for me is, uh, with terminally ill cancer patients, uh, they did a big dose of psilocybin and it took away their end of life anxiety. Imagine what it can do for other people if if people are knocking on the door of the unknown, which we don't talk about enough, and it cured it cured their anxiety. Psilocybin alpha is great for tracking like all these clinical trials, et cetera. I would say go to mushroomreferences.com. Uh, that lists all of the clinical trials done on lion's mane and reishi and CBD and, and cordyceps and chaga and agaricon. These are the other adaptogenic herbs and fungi that you can find at Whole Foods and integrate into your life. And then I'll just end on this. What people need to really understand is that the FDA, you cannot take a full spectrum medicine through the FDA. Everything that gets prescribed through the FDA and from a doctor is synthetic. It has to be synthetic. So I didn't mush- know that. So I mean, that's oh, yeah. crazy. I can't believe oh, yeah. I didn't know that, but that's, that's incredible oh, yeah. information. So the two companies that, so the reason for this is because it needs to be created within a 0.01% variance, meaning there can't be, if you're prescribing Adderall to yeah. tens of millions of people, it needs to be made in a lab and it needs to be very predictive. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. But so what they do is, and hundreds of years ago, this didn't happen. We used to go to nature to find our medicine. That's where Mm -hmm. penicillin came from. Yep. So what they do is they'll take this mushroom now, okay, which, and this is a phase two to the conversation, different genetics do different things of Mm -hmm. mushrooms, just like cannabis, right? Some make you tired, some make you. So they'll take this mushroom that has an amazing other, like tryptamines and alkaloids, norbeo, cystin, bao. There's just so many things that, because some of these mushrooms have, have better an- anxiolytic properties where it takes away your anxiety. Some of them are more uplifting. So there's something going on with these other three compounds. But as a nation, we'll take the most active one, which is psilocybin. We'll isolate that and you lose everything else. You lose all of the other. So what I would say is, as you're doing this research, people can go and you do not have to wait for a clinical trial. Oregon and Measure 109, this is why I support three different things. I support decriminalized nature. People should be able to grow this in the, in the comfort of their own home if they can and, and have access to their own consciousness. And you should be able to grow it and gift it. As yep. soon as you accept money, then you're breaking the law. Um, if you're in a decriminalized city and there's lots of them out there, of course, the medical system and I, and it might sound like I don't like the medical system, but there's so many people that want to access it, like our parents and stuff. So I support the medical system. I've created an FDA program with what helped me. And, and we just recently, we recently sold that. And then the thing that I do support the most and that I do believe in just because it's my story is full spectrum. 
So you can go to Oregon, Measure 109, and it's like a medical cannabis um, program where you can go to a facility that's licensed, a service center, and sit with licensed facilitators that know how to help you through a journey that could be difficult. The mushrooms are grown and manufactured. You have to have, be licensed for that. And then there's a testing facility. So now you have, oh, and the reason I love that is full spectrum. That's yeah. full spectrum. So this is the number one thing that I tell people to go and do for sure all day long, twice on Sunday, because USONA is going to take four to five years. And who knows if it's, you know, if they start yeah. having adverse effects in these clinical trials like Compass had, it might not ever get approved. So they're open for business. Prop 122 Colorado, they're going to be coming online probably in a year and a half, which is amazing. And then, you know, we introduced it to Illinois too. So I would, I would, you know, people can, can go and research these, these three, three different ways. And what I love, you mentioned how much more affordable this option is. I'm very passionate about affordable wellness mm -hmm. um, and, you know, because so much of wellness is unattainable to people mm -hmm. who don't have, you know, excess money to spend on it is mm -hmm. the hope that this will continue to be an affordable option for people in the work that's being done. Is that at all part of the discussion? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a social equity plan. So we're filing for a license, our first um, in the next 60 days. And there's a social equity plan that we have a sliding scale. If you have money, I'm going to charge you a lot of money. And then you, you can know, help support those. And you can you help can. support a vet and you can help save a life and it's going to trickle down. The money, there has to be an exchange, right? Nothing's for free. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like we supported an ayahuasca journey through Horror Cards Project. I, we paid, but the vets had to get themselves there. They still have to pay. Yeah. So I don't believe in free. Totally. Because, you know, um, somebody's got to want it. There has to be some sort of exchange of totally. wealth. The reality is with new medicines, it's going to be, you know, people are going to, the more money you have, probably the more access you're going to have. It's always a focus. Access is always a focus of ours for sure. That's great. So we have a lot of, I feel a lot of moms, a big trend has been mm. sort of dabbling recreationally with microdosing, whether it's chocolates or pills. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference in terms of the efficacy of taking, because you highlighted that for me of a pill over the chocolates, because I think, <laughs> you know, people can sometimes get themselves in trouble. So polka dot is one that's really popular. I would tell people it's owned by China, and they just got investigated by the FDA. They were doing 135 million a year in sales, moving about 650,000 units. I have no idea what that psilocybin is. I and it's and it's with chocolate. I don't like mixing anything with my medicine because I want a predictive feeling all the time. My medicine, the medicine we use, is, is PhD grown. I know exactly where it comes from. And like any medicine, the starting material, the genetics matter a lot, you know? And so we use genetics that other people just don't have because you can cross if you like something about that mushroom and then you like something about that mushroom. It's, this one's a little heart opening, but I want some visuals. You can grab these two mushrooms and you can breed them together. And then you have a new effect. Um, and if it's like an anxiolytic effect, it's like, oh, well, I like this one. This one agrees with me. I feel like you always want to switch up the genetic, you know, different tryptamines and alkaloids are in all these mushrooms. Um, they do different things. And I just personally, mine's in a vegan capsule. I don't mess with chocolate because sometimes say you take a, a gram of chocolate, you just ate that chocolate could 
hit you in six hours from now, <laughs> you know, um, and, and it can be very unpredictable. So I just like predictability. You just have to know, you, you got to know where, where you're your getting your stuff know where your coming, from. coming from. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, you know, they just, a lot of people offer it up at parties. Like I don't just take things that are not no, mine, never. you know? <laughs> so I think just, you know, to put the message out there for safety. Yeah. Not since if, I was 16, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want to experiment, like do your research and find mm -hmm. a company, speak to founder, people working mm -hmm. there, like get smart on it. It's, it's not really something to just, I think, mess around with. No. And it's also this work and, and breath work or anything that you're doing if it just depends where you're coming from, right? Like it, there's nothing wrong with recreationally. I use these mushrooms recreationally too, but I also use them like very intentionally in the mornings and obviously therapeutically when once a quarter, whenever I like am viewing my life, if I have a problem that I just can't solve with exercise or breath work or, or making sure my diet's in line and all of, all of these things are in check, but I'm like, damn, I'm still blocked or, then I'll take that problem. I don't, it's not depression or anxiety for me anymore. I'm completely cured of everything. Then I'll, I, you know, I just want to solve this thing mm -hmm. and I'll take that problem intentionally to a ceremony. And then I'll usually come out with, with the answers that I need, you know, it always, for whatever reason, these mushrooms always give me exactly what I need. It's so fun. I, this, this is a question that just occurred to me. I wonder, and I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm personally fascinated with generational trauma, granddaughter of four Holocaust survivors and mm. parents who escaped, you know, mm -hmm. communist occupied Hungary and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. it sounds to me that this kind of work also might be helpful in terms of generational trauma as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering Absolutely. if you've heard anything about that. So there was a study. So yes, absolutely. There is nothing to say that you cannot change your genetic makeup and your perspective on this world. I view it and I always describe it as if somebody, you know, depression, for example, let's take that. Well, my mom was depressed and my grandmother was depressed and her grandmother before her was depressed. So I'm just, I'm just depressed. Mm -hmm. I have to be because generationally it's getting encoded in the DNA and getting passed down. What's not to say if it's getting passed down, why can't we stop it? Why can't we change that? Why can't we change like, the narrative? We, yeah, absolutely. And just your DNA. Like Make there are studies done where they had, um, I believe it was, I believe it was chickens. They kept these chickens inside and I could be butchering the, the actual animal, but they kept these, these chickens inside. They never saw an eagle or a bird. So they never got scared. And uh, five years in or four years into their life, they, they brought them outside and they just flew a fake bird and they all freaked out, <laughs> you know? So it's like, of course, of course you can pass down trauma. But if that's the case, then of course you can also fix it and then pass that down so that hopefully the next generation isn't suffering, you know? Yeah. I believe in that. For sure. And, you know, scientists and doctors will say, well, we, we can't prove that. I'm like, well, I mean, you guys can't prove exactly what's happening in the trillions of cells in my brain. I know that you can, you think you can, but I just know how I feel. And that's how I, that's how I go. That's how I live my life. I can know? tell you I've lived it. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Now, all I could say is just even from watching, I have a handful of friends who have started to do microdosing daily 
whether it was for anxiety or depression, and they are like different people in the best mm -hmm. kind of way that it really, truly, whatever it changed in their minds and bodies, like they've, I call them like a beautiful flower that's blossomed and it's been magical to see. And so that's really what got me so interested mm. in like helping to share it because I have other friends that I feel like it could help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is that stigma, Dina, like we mentioned mm -hmm. earlier that around it and just destigmatizing the concept and not waiting until there's some sort of approval. Because sometimes the tangible mm -hmm. thing of you feel better, right? You know, you're better, but waiting for a clinical study to prove it. Sometimes there's such a lag in time. Like, don't wait, like start doing if, the research. Uh, I don't sell anything. You know, I, I, if you, I always tell people, if you, if you like what you see and what you hear and you want to learn more, I'm just going to give you the information and you go research it, you know, and, and if you want to try it, that's on you. I'm not here. We're not here. And Amber, I don't think you're here. Dina, you're here to just be an example, you know, and, and your friends can be an example. And if you like what that person now has and you don't have it, but you're blocked by stigma or whatever, just go and ask them, you know, and what I would say is forget about mushrooms or CBD or any of this stuff that is stigmatized. Like if you could give something to somebody that is completely natural, has little to no side effects, known side effects, will help you sleep, will make you more patient, will make you nicer, uh, has neuro anti-inflammatory benefits, has been proven to help protect neurons against and bodies against neuronal death and, and, most people would be like, you know, helps you, helps you make better decisions. Most people are like, whoa, what is that? Like, I would love that. What yeah. is it? I'm like, it's a mushroom. Like, oh, it's you so know. simple, right? <laughs> Sometimes the answer is just in such simplicity. Like, don't yeah. overcomplicate it. And really, we thank you for sharing your knowledge. And that is we both share the same goal of just sharing information to people mm -hmm. out there just to create that curiosity for them mm. to start to do the research and hopefully help themselves to and if feel they're, better. And if, they're, and if they're listening to you and they're asking about it, nobody asks about something like this that's so heavily stigmatized that's got all their stuff together. And nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm going to need to continue to work. But the, again, I want to harp on like this medicine is one tool. That's just like one supplement. You know, you, you have to be active. You have to watch your sugar, alcohol intake. You've got to watch the foods that you're putting in your body. You have to have some sort of community. I think that's what we're lacking now. Yep. Women follow women. Men follow men. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, why is there so many suicide attempts now among teenagers? Uh, why are men m more, I mean, heart disease is, I think, the number one killer, but the second is suicide. Yeah. Why is that? You know, I just, there's no coming of age ceremonies anymore. There's no community anymore, you know? So this is something that like I'm trying to build as well to try, no, not for anything, but so that my son has an example, you know, and his friends have an example that can be, they can be vulnerable, but, and there's also, there's nothing wrong with being strong. There's yeah. nothing wrong with being a strong man in this world, you know? So I think all of these things are, are really, are really important. And uh, if you like what you, what you hear you know, go and go to the links. I'm sure you guys are going to have the links. Yeah, um, yeah, the links will be in our out. show notes. And yeah. Dan also has a podcast coming. It'll mm -hmm. be launching soon called My Crew Doses, which will be all about building community and mm -hmm. sharing information. We'll definitely put it in there as well. And you'll let us know when it launches. To, yeah, 
We're gonna have to do a home and home. You guys are gonna have to like, come <laughs> on my do podcast. A repeat on your podcast happily. Thank you yep. so much. Such an inspiration. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. The Well Drop podcast and content posted by Amber Berger and Dina Wismer is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast or website is at the user's own risk. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical or mental health condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered health advice. The WellDrop is not responsible for any losses, damages, or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast.